0: Hi, I'm Allison Howell. You're listening to The Trunk Show, where I talk with founders of leading event rental businesses about their rental adventures. The show is brought to you by RW Elephant, the mighty inventory management software for your event rental business. In this episode, I talk to the founders of Loot Rentals.
1: I'm Anna with Loot Rentals, and I am originally from Austin, Texas, but recently made the move to Fort Worth, Texas to start up a LOOT
2: do. My name is Rhoda Brimberry. I also am a part of LOOT Rentals and I do live in Austin, Texas. And I'm trying to um, manage that side of the business while Anne is in Fort Worth.
0: We're going to get into topics like working with family members, creating a company culture, and managing multiple locations. All of that and more is coming up on The Trunk Show. So take us back to the beginning. I believe the dream of loot started during your engagement, Anna. Is that right? Mm-hmm. That
1: is correct.
0: When I was planning my wedding,
1: uh, it was very hard to find any rentals that kind of, you know, told a story or had character behind them. It was a lot of shivari chairs and, you know, the polyester linens on the folding tables. And there really wasn't much to choose from. Kind of all the weddings look the same. And my husband and I have always loved, and we still do, that kind of jazz era time, the 1920s, the big band music, uh, kind of speakeasy vibe. And so when we were planning our wedding, that's what we wanted to convey. And uh, so really what I was left to do, because there was nobody renting vintage things, I went and had to go and buy vintage china and flatware and linens and all the centerpieces for the tables and the decor. And it just was a huge job. And uh, so I employed—I don't know—enlisted, uh, <laughs> <enlisted>, recruited, <laughs> yes, uh, my family to help me in that pursuit. And Rhoda was actually living in Fort Worth at the time and had some free time to, you know, hit up the garage sales and things like that to help me in my search. And so uh, over time, the boxes started piling up at my parents' house, and, you know, Rhoda was making frequent trips down to Austin, uh, and she saw the accumulation of everything. And not only is it, you know, the storage, but it's also the cleaning of the items before you can even eat off of them. So... We just kind of looked at each other and we're like, what are we going to do with all of this stuff after your wedding? And we had the idea to do rentals kind of simultaneously. We just looked at each other and had the, you know, same. I think we were driving in the car, actually, Rhoda.
2: I think we we had the idea, like, separately, but then we started talking about it and I started saying something and you finished the sentence with, what about rentals? (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah. And actually, um, so we decided that that was going to be the path afterwards. And I was on my honeymoon and Rhoda went ahead and started getting the word out. And where we would find a lot of the china and things like that was on Craigslist because what brides would do is they would go on Craigslist and buy, you know, a lot from somebody else's wedding use it for their own wedding, then get back on Craigslist and resell it. Sure. And so it seemed natural to kind of post an ad for the rental aspect on Craigslist. And um, sure enough, on my honeymoon, we got uh, someone interested and Rhoda emailed me and she was like, hey, just wanted to let you know that somebody wants to meet with you and you get back. And uh, so... I was happy to meet with her when I got back into town and showed her uh, what I had collected out of the uh, trunk of my car, literally. (laughs) And, you know, she didn't end up booking with us, and I don't blame her. I didn't have, like, the showiest presentation.
0: You mean the trunk of a car showroom (laughs) wasn't really the, the, the look you're going for now?
1: Not quite. And uh, pretty soon realized that that uh, was not going to work. And I got to work on putting up a splash page. And uh, basically all that was was just, hey, this is who we are. We had the name by then. Rhoda had dreamed up the name, believe it or not.
0: and Like literally in a dream? Literally, yes, yes. Okay, wait, you gotta pause the story and tell us that. You like woke up and you were like loot.
2: Yeah. It has to be loot. It's really as simple as that. We had I feel like stayed up really late one night just thinking up a bunch of names and nothing really sat. And so we just kind okay. of went to bed with the question still there. And I don't recall honestly, like what the um you know, the scene was in my dream that got me to loot, but I just remember waking up and it was a twilight um, realization, like when you're halfway between sleep and being awake. And I just remember thinking loot was such a fun name because how simple it was, but what it also meant and it could just carry over to so many areas and um so that's why we came up with that so of course we started to look around and see like what, el- what else is out there like this and well there wasn't anything that had a name like that so in our industry for sure so that's what we stuck with
0: perfect so Anna you're putting up the splash page and then what happened next
1: yeah so all it was was just a splash page Rhoda and I spent a weekend working on a photo shoot and photographing all of our inventory in my parents' backyard. And um, we, I had made like um, a catalog, like a PDF catalog and you could download that from the splash page and it had pricing and things like that. And somehow, um, a catering company in town found this uh, splash page. I don't know how, because we weren't marketing it at the time. And she had referred us to, I forget what his name is, but this guy who was planning a big 350-person gala in San Antonio. And he called us up, and this must have been in, what was it, Rhoda?
2: Was it? Well, I remember the event was in April, so I feel like we in March that we got the request. Yeah.
1: So in March, he called and he uh, was like, hey, I have this 350-person seated dinner that I need dinner plates, salad plates, dessert plates, teacup and saucer sets for everybody at this gala. And I So I had collected maybe like 75 just dinner plates for my wedding, and the rest was borrowed from family. So we did not have that much.
0: And And you were like, sure, they can just eat in stages. We'll have 75, wash the plates, then 75. No?
1: That's not a good plan? And I don't know. I said yes. And I I remember (laughs) literally I was in my little tiny house, on the railroad tracks. And I hung up the phone and I think I was like crying. I think I called Rhoda, I called my mom and I was like literally in tears. Like I just accepted this thing and I don't know how I'm going to do it. And uh, somehow we pulled it off. We sure like did. my mom was it we had a month to get everything. And my mom loaned us uh, $5,000. And I believe Rhoda's mom also loaned us some money. I don't think we used all of what your mom gave us, but we did need some of it to kind of get this started. And uh, the next month, we just hit the ground running. We leased uh, a studio space to hold everything. In that time, we collected everything, figured out how to store, transport, Washed all it.
2: There was a lot of washing. Yeah. And sticker picking. We had to pick oh, up all gosh. the stickers.
1: Yeah. And then figuring out just how to, how are we going to store all of these teacup and saucer sets and keep them in their pairs together? And uh, anyway, we did it. We did it with the help of my in-laws who were living in San Antonio at the time. And, you know, we were scraping for at least an hour, these dried candied apples on our precious (laughs) dessert plate. And we were just appalled. And we're like, how are we going to get these off? Oh, it was just a mess, but we had the best time and it was just an unforgettable experience. And then, um, I don't even think we made money on that, to be honest. Oh, no way. Yeah, we definitely did not. And, um, but if anything, it just kind of started the ball rolling. And yeah, everything we made, we just kind of put back into the business for the next couple of years and grew it.
0: So Rhoda, what was your relationship with Anna like at that point? Because you were just, you had been sister-in-laws for how long at that point? How long had you been married to Matt?
2: Well, I guess eight years. Maybe. Yeah, because
1: I got married in 2010.
2: Oh yeah, and I was 01. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. Um, our relationship, well, to start, I'm 10 years older than Anna, and so when I first met Anna, she was, she was still a kid, you know? She was in high school, and I was just a thriving adult. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no I was in my 20s I and we were definitely I was like
1: I was 16 or so yeah when I
2: met you. so yeah. like we weren't really like contemporaries we weren't like on the same plane we weren't doing the same type of thing um so we didn't connect on uh, for a while to be honest and our relationship also because we never lived near each other sure And so I feel like through the process that Anna was going through with her wedding planning, uh, we grew together a lot in that. um, And she, you know, before that, too, I had I was in a space in my head where I was starting to um, become an entrepreneur and thinking up some cool ideas of things to start businesses in and. You know, sometimes there was a lot of ideas that were floating about in my head. And sometimes I wouldn't be taking, taken very seriously um, mm-hmm. by some people that I pitched to. And I remember Anna, like, was very kind. And um, I, she has always been involved in fashion. And I had some ideas that were fashion-related. And so I would pitch some ideas to her. And she was just always so receiving of them, not necessarily that they, if they were good, but she took me seriously <laughs> and i appreciated <laughs> that and so like when the idea of loot popped in to our heads i had already known that anna was serious about cultivating new ideas and building them and while i never anticipated in my wildest dreams that we, w- we would ever be business partners i think it was a natural growth for both of us and eventually we grew to be on the same plane, um, even though our ages were so different.
0: So was there ever a moment when you felt like that was a risk to become business partners, like that it would impact your relationship (laughs) negatively? Or did you, did it always feel like, oh, this is the natural next step?
2: Oh, no. Uh, I don't know how you feel, Anna, but I was always nervous about that because she was my sister-in-law. And Um, you know, you've always heard, don't don't go into business with your family, or friends. And I think we we knew that was a risk, but we were willing to take it. Mm -hmm. And
1: I think that it happened so organically. Like when we started, it really kind of started as, I mean, I would say it started as a hobby, really, you know, because we were just kind of doing this together, trying to get, you know, some stuff for my wedding. And then It was just, it kind of just took off from there. We didn't really have a conversation about it. You know, it was just so natural that we just were working together on my wedding and then it was just, what's next? Okay, what's next? Yeah, and we
2: still kind of go like that. It just seemed like Mm -hmm. yesterday we were visiting Fort Worth again and now she's there. And so we were just like, yep, just go. We'll figure out the rest afterwards. And it's funny now because when we started, I was living in Fort Worth and I had my two toddlers and I was driving up, driving down to Austin um, all the time to work the events with Anna on the weekends and it's like we've switched. And now she's there with her two that are about, you know, a little older than my two were at that time, but it's like we just can't quit Fort Worth.
0: (laughs) Right. Well, and it's interesting that you have switched places in your family roles too. Like, uh, but that your family has been involved throughout this whole thing. I mean, it started with the family wedding. You did your first big job in San Antonio with your in-laws, Anna, but your parents on either side are loaning you money. Like Mm -hmm. you've had the support of people around you that have really made, made that happen with you guys. Totally. So, After that job in San Antonio, when you had now setting for 350 people, like, was it mostly just China in your collection or did you have furniture too? Did you have lounge groupings or like, what was the, what was the vision at this, at that point? Like, what did success look like to you two? Like, what were you guys thinking is like, what's our goal?
2: Um, well, I guess I can start that. So, to answer that second part of the question, there were, there was no goal. Like we never did any, um, business planning. It was just this like steamroller effect of where we started with this. And then, um, you know, we had met other people that were doing something similar, um, in California. And so we're like, Oh, this is possible. Well, let's just go ahead and go after it and just keep accumulating. And I joke sometimes how it's like a hoarding problem that has turned into a, a successful business. And um, hoarding is a strong word and, and not to be taken lightly, but we get a lot of um, excitement behind, you know, beautiful items that we would love to offer for our collection. And um, mm. we... I think out of the two of us, Anna, takes. uh, she might be more of the risk taker than I am. Um, But always throughout our pursuit, we've just kind of had this like, well, if we ever tank, then at least we can sell this stuff off and we'll at least break even. And so like, (laughs) it was an easier undertaking with that kind of knowledge. So the planning net didn't happen for like three or four years until after we started, really. Yeah, I remember talking and
1: being like, I just really hope that we can do two events a month. Oh my gosh, December. Oh God. Great. And um, that first year just kind of surprised us both, I think, because, you know, we were doing multiple events every weekend and um, just was very unexpected. And we just kind of rolled with it.
0: Seems like from the very beginning of your business, you've been able to capture something really authentic about Austin. Um, so first, could you just describe, like, what do you think is essential about the Austin vibe or the culture and style of Austin?
1: Mm. I think for Austin, it's all about uh, community. That's one of our, you know, top values in the company is to be uh, involved in the community and to support. Uh, the local makers and shakers uh, (laughs) so so to speak and uh, you know everybody's just kind of supporting uh, one another and it's a very creative city and there's a lot of uh, cool people doing cool things and uh, anyway we're just happy to be a part of that.
2: Yeah I just want to add I think Austin is full of a lot of early adopters and so the idea mm. took pretty easily because of you know they they love something new and next thing and they'll try something unusual and aren't fearful about what what that is. And you know, if you just walk down sure. the streets of Austin, there's many colors of hair. Like we got purple, we've got this, you know, like I didn't grow up in, in a community like that. Um, even when I was in California and it's just, there's that old saying that keep Austin weird. And, and I think that still kind of sticks that people kind of look for the a weird thing or the next best thing in Austin to just keep it alive.
0: Hmm. That's interesting that you say that because I feel like on the one hand, you've really stayed true to an, an authentic Austin vibe, but at the same time, you're also creating the Austin vibe. You're telling people this is what's cool and this is the style of celebrations here. So um you've you've become tastemakers in your city. Uh so I just I wondered if you had perspective on what that role is or what does that that mean to you guys as you've as you've developed um as tastemakers.
2: I I think it makes us um just comfortable in our skin, just knowing that Whatever new thing that we like, we're kind of obsessing on. We don't feel fearful to put it out there to to say that's who we are. Um, I think Austin really allows people to do that, and so thankfully, you know, it is well received. Um, but we are very creative, and when we get excited about a new concept or a new theme or a new color, even. We're not afraid to just be like, "Look at this, we love it." Let's let's you know, paint the walls and this, and make all the events like this. And it's just, um, it's just a very warm reception whenever we push something else out there.
0: It seems like a really powerful place to be in a business to feel that kind of support.
1: Do you feel that way, Anna? Yes, I do. And when Allison said that, I was just like, kind of taken aback because I. Um, First of all, that's just such a tremendous compliment. And I think that's something that Rhoda and I have always um, held at the forefront is to be genuine and to set the trends and to not try to be anybody else. And so to see that being recognized, uh, just, I don't know, just is really cool. So thank you.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that, you obviously are not afraid to do new things, which was evidenced by the fact that your wedding was different than all the other weddings, you know, in Austin at the time. And that your collection has evolved over the years and that you guys are even now taking risks to expand and to, to move beyond where you are right now. Um, But I'm wondering how does that influence your buying decisions, particularly inside your collection? Like as you are considering buying decisions, are you thinking about how it's going to be received? Are you mostly following other principles or values as you're, as you're doing your buying? What's, what's guiding that?
1: Hmm. I think we listen to our customers a lot. Um, You know, we've, we get requests for things that we don't have, and so that becomes the forefront of our next buying decision. It's like, oh, yeah, we need a we need a modern dining table, um, and we try to do that in in the loot way, of course. And but I think just listening to your customers is um, just super important, and it's it's always been a priority for us, um, even here in uh, Fort Worth. In the Dallas market, that's one of the things that I'm focusing on right now, is um, approaching people here, planners, and um, just people in the industry. What is lacking in the market? What do you need? What are you not seeing? And that, that feedback is going to guide my purchasing decisions. And then, of course, I'll do it in the loot way, but I think having that customer feedback is really important.
0: It seems like you release groupings of inventory together or style sets of pieces together um, for your lookbooks or concepts. Do you purchase with those ideas in mind or do those ideas flow from the collection that you've purchased?
2: I think a lot of times we, we start that process with um, a meeting where we're talking about the things that are exciting us. Um, mm-hmm. For instance, in the the last one we did that um, that we released, uh, I remember pushing out there like I'm really feeling terrazzo lately, and I loved terrazzo. And so we we're like, everyone was like, yeah, let's do something with terrazzo. So we would go and and buy, and then whatever the theme is that we start talking about on the on the lookbook, we kind of build off that one thing really whether it's a location or a color or a style of fabric or something. And then we just kind of build off of that. What you see in the lookbook are the things that inspire us. But we're not going to go sure. and buy like 10 deep of that chair because we know it's probably not going to rent that many times. But it's just right. really kind of something to help get you interested in like what's
0: behind our doors. How often are you doing lookbooks at this point?
2: I do a um... Twice a
1: year, fall, winter, and then we do a spring-summer issue.
0: How frequently, or rather, how long have you been doing that? When did you start pushing those out?
1: Started three
0: and a half years ago. Okay. Um, I mean, I love getting mine in the mail. Do you (laughs) find that your clients are anticipating that and looking forward to seeing what you have? Is that like a... A coveted thing in your in your local industry.
2: <laughs> I mean, I've never seen anybody like ticking down the calendar days until they get their lookbook. <laughs> but that would be awesome if they did. We yeah. o- always have a launch party um, for at least one of the lookbooks per year, um, okay. just to kind of get people in front of those items, as well as getting their their lookbook in their hand and just being a reminder that we're still at the forefront of um, design when it comes to rentals. Um, and they always enjoy coming to those events and taking their lookbook with them.
0: Yeah, well, it seems like a coordinated effort makes it have even more impact than just like, oh, here's a piece that I'm interested in these days. It's like, oh, here's the collection. Here's how we pulled it together. Here's what's inspiring us. Here's an event. Here's now all the social media buzz all about it. So it's not just a, a whim. It's a, a real... Um, concentrated effort to make an impact. Right. It seems like you've been able to partner with artisans or find other local makers who are really great at their craft. And so you're not just buying mass-produced products from other people. You're also really investing in Other goods that are handmade, even if they're not made by loot hands.
2: Oh, yes. That's very true. We do honor um, the craft that goes into making products and do our very best to um, find handmakers, but also people in the Austin market and in Texas now that we're kind of expanding
0: and supporting their businesses. Yeah. Well, it seems like that's... um, I mean, that's a a beautiful thing to do, I think, to support people who are around you. But it's also a bit risky in rentals because you're always balancing the longevity of a piece, right? Like you want it to be beautiful and unique and lovely, but at the same time, not so delicate that it's going to like only last one rental. So how do you find the balance there when you're looking at new items that maybe weren't necessarily built for rentals?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, with some of the artisans that we work with, uh, we work on an agreement with them to where it's almost, we're not buying the inventory outright. Um, so we're partnering with them and it's kind of like, a cons- almost like on consignment rental,
0: if that makes sense. You've had some great employees over the years and you have a really strong team at this point. Um, I'm, I'm wondering what you think you've done to attract those people and keep them. Well, um, one thing
2: that we love to do when we have a position open and invite somebody to interview, uh, we ask them to make a Pinterest board for us. And it's not, we don't want to see like show us your favorite furniture or show us your apartment. We really are interested in learning like holistically what that person is passionate about. So if it's a quote you love, put it on there. If it's a color you love, put it on there. If it's a tree that you love or a vacation spot. And it's fun to look at the board like, and as a whole vision board to see like everything that's happening in that person's head in pictures Um, And it's a great starting um, conversation starter to ask them to go through their board and just say, like, tell me why you put this. Yeah. It is helpful to relate on some level and figure out, like, okay, this person's going to work great in this capacity because, like, they speak that same language that we speak.
0: Yeah. I'm interested to know, is there something that you do to recenter yourselves or your team back to the values that you want to embody as a company?
2: I like that question because it's we're in a different like dynamic now that Anna's not here. And so I feel like our challenge, and we talked about it like, the day before she left, is making sure that we're always staying connected and how do we do that? And how do you start a new location that carries over the same values? So to answer that question, uh, we practice a lot of transparency, I think, with people in the company. Um, We are just, you know, it took us nine years to figure out, I guess, that it's important for them to know what's happening, you know, Mm -hmm. behind our door and where the numbers stand and why we're doing all this. Um, So we we did develop our, you know, our core values that are kind of transparent on the website as well to just show these are the things that we're focused on. Um, and making sure that everybody in the company is aligned with that. Um, But also, if there's some bumps in the road that we experience, we're not going to hide that. Like, hey, you know, if we're having a slow month here and there, you know, this is what's going on. Don't worry, we'll be fine. But just, you know, keep it in mind. And just including them in all that kind of stuff, I think is helpful for them to feel more a part of the big picture.
1: And I also think... Having um, team retreats and ways to bond kind of outside of the workplace is also um, something that Rhoda and I have always done, and it really builds like the family culture that we have.
0: I hope you enjoyed hearing from the founders of Loot Rentals in Austin and Fort Worth. Check out the show notes to find links to the Loot website and Instagram. While you're digging into the show notes, look out for the link to join the RW Elephant mailing list. That's where you can find more inspiring event rental industry resources and happenings. Stick around to hear my lightning round of questions with Anna and Rhoda. Anna, ramp or liftgate? Ramp. Rhoda, sole proprietorship, LLC, S-Corp, offshore dummy corporation? LLC, filing as (laughs) S-Corp. Anna, a business book you'd recommend? Scaling Up by Vern Harnish. Okay. Is there a podcast you love, Rhoda? Ooh, How I Built This, Guy Raz. Ooh, I like that one too. Uh, who inspires you, Anna? My mom. Mm. <laughs> Rhoda, dream buying trip destination? Morocco. Mm. Do you guys have it on the books? Not yet. Okay. Uh, Anna, is your personal style different than your rental collection? My vibe is a part of The rental collection. Got it. Yeah. Rhoda, three things outside of work you love to do.
2: Swim at Barton Springs, play music with my family,
0: and hike with my family. Uh, Anna, what's a business tool you couldn't live without? Google Docs. (laughs) And Rhoda, what's the next big trend in rentals? Oh,
2: I want people to have um, device hookups inside
0: their tables that are nice looking. Yeah. That's a a good idea. Um, Okay, so here's my final question. You can each answer it. What do you enjoy most about your rental adventure? Um,
2: Collecting more and more things. I would have to say,
1: yeah, traveling and buying and doing it with family, with Rhoda. Mm. It's, It's the best.
0: It's so good. Thanks for listening to The Trunk Show, brought to you by RW Elephant. If there are guests or topics you'd like to hear on the show, give us a shout. I'm Allison Howell. Happy renting.